Beloved, this, this, the past few weeks I have really been confronted. Uh, I've been watching some, some material on, on the internet, uh, on YouTube, and um, I've been listening to, to different people talk, you know, politicians and um, people that just do documentaries, people that talk about different things, uh, interviews that has been been done with, with, um, with people, and um, if there's one thing that really caught my attention, and, and I, I must be honest with you, not just on, the, on YouTube, but also listening to what's happening in our own country, and listening to, to ju just listening to people, I've realized that I don't think, this is just a, an opinion, but I don't think we the pandemic that we've just gone through or we had is as bad as what I'm going to share with you this morning. I think what I'm going to share with you this morning is more worse than a pandemic. Uh, and the consequences are much greater than the consequences of a virus. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he starts off He's writing a letter to the Ephesians. Remember the first three chapters? He's talking about doctrine. He's laying foundations so that the, the Ephesian believers can understand when he gets to chapter 4 to 6, uh, why they have a responsibility to act in a certain way. So he, he lays foundation in chapter 1 to 3 to say to them, listen, so when I'm going to tell you about your responsibility, then you know why you have a responsibility to live a certain way so that when the world looks at you, uh, when your fellow brothers and sisters look at you, then they can see. But this doctrine, the first three chapters that Paul shared with us, has an influence in our lives. That it's not just a bunch of words, you know, nice things that's written down on a piece of paper or in a book, or we've got interesting doctrines in our head. But these doctrines has, uh, how can I say, influence, or is supposed to influence our lives to such an extent that we start living a certain way, and we have a responsibility to live a certain way. And we've already looked at Paul's, um, how can I say, his, un his, his uh, handling of the whole issue of unity within the church because that's one of our great responsibilities is to make sure that we keep that unity in a bond of love. But there's another, there's actually a few. When we start working through chapter 4, you'll realize that there are actually quite a few responsibilities that has been placed on the life of a believer. And the wonderful thing is the Apostle Paul already gave us the doctrine to explain to us that if you are able to take up that responsibility and to live the kind of life that God expects of you. Don't boast in yourself. Don't think that you are so grand and so fancy. No, it's the Holy Spirit that is busy enabling you to live the kind of life that is pleasing to God. So don't walk around with, with pride and stuffed up and think, oh, you know what, I'm so cool. I'm such a good person. No, the doctrine part is supposed to Help us to be humble, to understand that when I am able to live out my responsibilities, if I can live the way that God expects me to live, it's because of what God has done on my behalf, or God, what God has done for me. That's the amazing thing. 
And, and you know what, that's one of the dangers that we have when we study the Bible is that we, we compartmentalize the Bible. So what we do is we, we don't sit down and we take the, the letter that the apostle wrote to the Ephesians and we read it right through. We start in, in, in chapter 1 verse 1 and we read it right through to chapter 6. We read little pieces here and there. And, and if we do that, we miss the, the context. We miss the context in which Paul places this letter. So for the Ephesians, what they would do is when Paul wrote the letter, they would read it and everybody would hear it. And it would be read over and over and over again over a period of time. To such an extent that the people would be able to memorize what the Apostle Paul said to them. Because it was so important. So, even in our preaching, in my preaching, I'm compartmentalizing things. I'm putting it into little brackets or little pieces so that it can, we can eat and we can chew it. Otherwise, it just, it's just too much. But it's so important that we need to understand the context. We need to understand the whole. So if I'm going to share with you what I'm going to share with you, and especially in the next few weeks as we look at what the Apostle Paul talks about when he speaks about our responsibility, and not just the, the unity part, but there's a lot of things. He's, he's going to become very practical. That you and I understand that what, the reason why we can take up this responsibility and live it is because of what Paul said to us in chapters 1 to 3. Doctrine, sound doctrine, is foundational to our Christian walk. If you get your doctrine wrong, then you're going to walk in a way that is not pleasing to God. But if you get doctrine right, you will be able to please God. And you will be able to take up that responsibility. And then, the other one is, when Paul speaks about um, chapters 1 to 3, and in chapters 1 to 3, we, we find the doctrine of, of salvation. Eh? And when we see the doctrine of salvation, we see that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's a sovereign work of God. We cannot boast about anything because God has done it on our behalf. Okay, so, and, and you look at the doctrines we find in chapter 1, and we listen to what the Apostle Paul is speaking about, then you realize, whoa, this doctrinal stuff is actually uplifting God as the one that is sovereignly doing certain things in our lives. But when we get to the responsibility side, it's absolutely amazing how we start working with God. If you hear what I'm saying. Now it's no longer a question of, I'm just um, automatically going to do the right thing. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. What is going to happen now is I have to work with the Holy Spirit that is living inside of me. You know, chapter 5 when he says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a responsibility. I shouldn't be drinking myself into coma. Well, I shouldn't be drinking too much, but rather be filled with the Spirit. There's a responsibility on me. And this is all part of our sanctification. Okay, that's the fancy word. Sanctification. The sanct and sanctification is that process through which God changes us to become Christ-like. Okay. And then, obviously, so that we can live for His glory. 
so that when he looks at our lives and he sees us live, we actually live the kind of lives that, that just pleases him. Because ultimately that's what we want to do now. So we want to please him. Now, we're going to read one verse. And, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm actually skipping quite a few verses. Uh, but we're going to get back to those. Uh, it's just because this is so fresh in my heart. And, and verse 25 actually speaks about this issue. And I realized it's such an important one that we need to, to touch on this morning. Before we read, let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to come to you this morning. To have your word. And it's as if this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians so many years ago. It's as if this letter is speaking to us today. And it is as if it cannot be clearer than what the Apostle Paul is speaking about. And I pray, Father, that you will open up our hearts to, to receive what the Apostle Paul shares with us and that we will take it to heart. And Father, we pray that you will help us with our minds to understand. And as your servant, as one of the men that has been given to the church, as a pa pastor of the church, I pray, Father, that you will use me as an instrument in your hands to teach your people. As I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Just that one verse. This is what we read. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Just that. But wow. Wow, wow, wow. Beloved, if you want to, or let's say, if anyone wants to destroy unity within a church, Start lying to one another. If you want to destroy unity in a marriage, start lying to one another. If you want to destroy a family, start lying to one another. If you want a country to fall apart, get the leaders to start lying to the people. And when the people start lying to one another, there is no unity. There cannot be any unity without truth. That's why the Apostle Paul says it's so beautiful. He says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Now, now the question is, should we do it all the time? Or... Is there an exception? You know, those times when I need to just twist the truth a little bit because the truth is just going to be too hard. It's going to cause too much problems. So let me just twist it and let me just tell a white lie. Is there any time when we can reject or not speak the truth and replace the truth with a lie? Is there any reason when we or any time that we can do that no beloved it's the truth that sets us free not the lie 
A lie will always keep us in bondage. That's the way it works, because if you lie, you are sinning against the Almighty God, and you're going against His character. The Scripture tells us that God is not a man that He should lie. God has nothing that is close to a lie or a non-truth in Him, in His character. God is true. God is truth. That's why Jesus Christ is the, the personalization of the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. He's the personification of truth. So if we speak the truth and we speak the truth in love, we are characterizing Christ. Yeah, we, all look, we look like Christ when we do that. But when we lie, who are we copying? The devil, for he's the liar from the beginning. Now he's the father of lies, Jesus actually tells us. So beloved, don't fool yourself to think that in you, when you speak a little half lie, you, or you, it's a white lie, or it's a straight out lie, or it's exaggeration, because you know that exaggeration is also a lie. I hope you know that now. You know, just to blow up the story a little bit and just to make it more interesting, let's just add a few lies. I mean, uh, st stories in there. And make, let's make it m more interesting. No, that's a lie. And lies are of the devil. And anyone who speaks lies, Jesus says, are of your father, the devil. He said it to the religious leaders of the day. No wonder they got so upset with him. No wonder they just wanted to kill Christ. Because he was so outspoken. I wonder how leaders will feel in countries all over the world. You know, those leaders that tell so many lies. I wonder how they will feel if we as the church start telling the world, stop lying. I've been listening to, to news medias and I've been listening where they say that um, leaders... They're not telling the truth. And I've, I don't hear that word, that they are lying. I've actually come so far as hearing it's a non-truth. Oh, it's a non-truth. Wow, amazing. Or they say, no, no, it's not just, it's not accurate. Excuse me? If it's not accurate, it's a lie. But that's where we are in this world. That's why I say that the pandemic is not as great as the pandemic that we have now. And I believe that we have now come to a point in the world that we have a massive pandemic. And that pandemic is lying to one another. It's heartbreaking. But I believe it's a reality. That's what I think. So can I get a hand, show of hands if you believe or you think that there's been an increase in the amount of lying Let's say over the past decade or so. Have you noticed that? And it's increasing at a drastic speed. And it seems as if people are getting away with it. They can lie. And they can lie again tomorrow. Nothing happens. And, and what I've noticed lately is they can lie in court in front of a judge 
after swearing that they will tell the truth, all the truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Maybe that's why they've taken it out of the court system now, that you don't put your hand on the Bible anymore, and you don't swear or you don't, um, yeah, you don't swear on the Bible or on the name of God. Because people lie. And they've made a, I think it's a made-up thing, but more and more people are becoming compulsive liars, which means what comes out of their mouths is just lie upon lie upon lie upon lie. I did a quick Google search <clears throat> to find some statistics online. And what, what struck me about Google lately, uh, I said it to Stefania as well, um, it, it amazes me that if you do a Google search and you search for a specific topic, uh, I was searching a topic on whether a certain food was alkaline or, or acidic. And the first website said it was alkaline, and the second website on Google said it was acidic. And I mean, that's the first. That's number one and number two on Google saying the opposite. So what do I believe? Which one do I believe? And uh, now they've got fact checkers nah, on, on Facebook and on Twitter and everywhere to check the facts, and then you find out that the fact checkers doesn't even know what the facts are. They are lying. And they're supposed to check the lies. That's why I'm saying I believe it's a pandemic that we are facing. So in my Google search, so I, I, I really don't know whether Google is telling the truth or not. I don't know. Sorry. I can't, can't put my head on the block, but this is what I found. According to research, about 60% of people 18 years and older are incapable, and this is what the words said on Google, it says, are incapable of having a, conversa a conversation without lying at least once every 10 minutes. That's what the research shows. They can't have a conversation without lying at least once every 10 minutes. Think about it, beloved. So the chances are, and most probably this is American stuff because in America they love statistics. So in America, if you talk to someone between the age of 18 and, and older, obviously, in that conversation, every 10 minutes you can sit there, stop the conversation and say, all right, so what was the lie you told me? Because I would love to have the truth. Because it's the truth that sets us free, not the lies. It is said that on average, three lies are being told by adults every 10 minutes. That's the average. They say that parents are unfortunately the primary victims of lying. Because they say 86% of lies are told by children to their parents. We had a rule in our home. Once the children could start understanding, and I'm telling you, when they started understanding, I told them, I have one non-negotiable rule in this house, and that is, you don't lie to me. Tell me the truth, 
chances are you're going to be punished, but the punishment is not going to be so severe. But if you lie to me, punishment is inevitable. You are going to be punished. So they knew. If they lied and I caught them lying, punishment is coming. Because I wanted to teach my children from a very young age. If you want to break trust, lie to one another. There's nothing that destroys trust as much as lying. I wonder if, if the statistics on divorce today, I wonder how much, what the role is of lying in the statistics of people getting divorced. How people destroy the trust in the family. Beloved, we are living in a time of history where telling lies is the norm and telling the truth is the exception. Where in the past it used to be the opposite. Your word could be trusted. Nowadays, if somebody comes into a shop, and, and we had it when we were in the shop, and they come and they come in and they say, I'm a Christian. That's how they start. I'm a Christian. Then I go like this, please, please. I don't want to listen to you because you're going to make promises and you're not going to keep them. Because we had our biggest problems of people not paying or people not keeping their promises from Christian. Beloved, it's not supposed to be like that. If we understand what God has done for us in Ephesians chapter 1 to 3, if we understand the doctrine of salvation, and we understand what God has done for us by His grace through faith in Christ, and that we are completely transformed people, then Christians shouldn't lie to one another. Our yes should be yes, and our no should be no. Christ said that, Whatever is more than that is from the devil anyway. So, what is shocking though is in the church world, there is this alarming increase in people lying to one another and pastors lying from the pulpit. Beloved, you must remember that if I know what is the correct doctrine and I come and I teach you something that is the opposite, I'm not sharing the truth with you. I'm lying to you. And that's why it's so important for people to be checked. Checks and balances need to be in place to make sure that we speak the truth. We find a prophecy uh, in Paul's second letter to Timothy, in Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, we read the following. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, now Ephesians chapter 1 to 3, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. This is a prophecy. No? This is Paul speaking many, many years ago. And he says, this is what's it's coming. And we know it's been there. But I think we've, we've now reached pandemic proportions. I think 
we, it's going to get it's going to increase as we get closer to the return of Christ. So those churches and those believers that still tell or speak the truth in love, it's going to become few and far behind, far between now. Unfortunately. And he says in verse 4, And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And you know that fables are basically just stories. Ne? It's like myths. It's something that people make up in their minds. It's like what you watch on a movie screen. It's the figment of someone's imagination. It's not the truth. And we, I believe, should be aware of this prophecy and we should be on our guard. Because the Apostle Paul comes and he says to us, Beloved, our responsibility is to speak the truth to one another. Do not lie to one another. Make sure that you speak the truth. Yes, it will hurt at times. But we're doing it in love. If we try to correct someone don't lie to one another just to, you know, for people to like you or whatever. Or to kind of fill in the story so it sounds better. Many years ago, when I was a child, I um, had a fantastic, uh, what do you call it? Imagination. Yeah, thank you. I had this amazing ima imagination. I could tell the most interesting stories, like my brother killed an elephant with a six-inch nail. And uh, my grandparents, they had a swimming pool at their home, and my grandfather and, and we were, went to visit, and I told him, no, we also have a swimming pool. And so he came to visit us after that, and he said to me, so why? where's the swimming pool? He said, ah. I said to him, ah, we just closed it up. You know what the problem was? Even at school, in grade one, grade two, well, I think it was just grade one, I was the storyteller. The teacher would say, all right, kids, now listen, Yop is going to tell you a story and you've got to write it down. Yeah? Write down what the story is or make a picture of the story or whatever. And I would come up with a story and I would tell the story. And because I was encouraged to allow, allow my imagination to fly free. It caused me to become acquainted with lies. To become comfortable with lies. That I could actually tell my grandfather, listen, my, my dad, oh, my brother killed an elephant with a six-inch uh, nail. And we had a swimming pool. To be honest with you, I can't remember if they corrected me. I hope they did, but I don't think they did. Because if a little child does that, we laugh at the child. We don't correct the child. Because we don't want children's imaginations to fly beyond the truth. It's not a problem if they are within the boundaries of the truth, but when it becomes a lie, especially when it becomes a clear-cut lie, adults talk to your children. Because you're not helping them. In um, Revelation chapter 21, verse 7 and 8, 
God actually tells us how serious he is about lies. And this is what we read. Revelation 21, 7 and 8. It says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and he will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Right at the end of the book, right at the end of the Bible, God comes along and says, I want to tell you how serious this is. Don't lie. And, and I want you to see the words, all liars. It's only said about liars. Can you see that? All the other stuff is just named. But when it comes to liars, it says all liars. If there's one thing that God hates, it's lying. I'm, I'm telling you, God hates it. God doesn't tolerate lies. He hates lies. So what we see is that the part of all liars is in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, by the way, which means that liars will go to hell if it wasn't for Christ. Chapters 1 to 3, the doctrinal side, that tells us that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. That our forgiveness comes from Christ. And if it wasn't for our forgiveness and the fact that we are cleansed from our sins by the blood of Christ. Beloved, I would have gone to hell. Because I'm a liar. And I've been a liar since I've been a little boy. But praise God for Christ. Praise God for doctrine. That teaches us the truth about Christ and what he has done for us. Because if it wasn't for Christ, where would I be? But it's Christ who makes the difference. And when we partake of the table this morning, we are reminded, I am reminded, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect one, died for my lies. Because I'm a liar. I'm off my father, the devil. But God, in his mercy and in his grace, decided to take me, a liar, and to save me. Amazing. And to forgive me of my sin. And to wash me. And to cleanse me. What a savior, eh? What a savior. That's chapter 1 to 3. That's what we see in chapter 1 to 3. And beloved, I, I want to say this to you. Please remember that believers are not immune to the sin of lying. We get tempted. I believe you also get tempted at times to lie. And sometimes we fail. We fall for the temptation and we lie. But praise God, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Praise God for that. Beloved, that's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 
calls on the believers not to lie to one another. And putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. How in the world can people who are members of one body lie to one another? It's like the delusion that we are seeing nowadays, how people's own brains can lie to them. And convince them that they are something that they are not. Everybody can see, except the person themselves. I was watching a collie dog the other day. This amazing, I think it cost $15,000, if I'm not mistaken, this costume. I'm saying it under correction, I've seen quite a few. But it was a lot of money. I, I, I kind of made that, you know, the, the, I exchanged it into Rand and I said, oh, for a dog suit. And you know what was in the dog suit? A grown-up man who believes that he's a dog. Walks on his fours. He's somebody, I don't know if it's his friend or whatever, takes him for a walkies. Absolutely amazing. And he eats dog pellets. Beloved, if you lie to yourself, I think it's the greatest deception that you can get. It's sad. I believe that lying is most probably one of the most challenging moral sins that we face today. Because it's become the norm. It's just like using God's name in vain. Eh? Blasphemy has become... A, it's so general. It's everywhere. I mean, everybody, everybody does it. Eh? It's kind of thing. Say, how can it be wrong if everybody does it? Praise God, not everybody does it, but a lot of people do. You just hear more and more and more people using God's name in vain and Jesus Christ's name in vain. And it's just a, a cussing of the God of the universe, the Creator. But it's become the norm. And we are desensitized. And Christians start using it. And they forget that God has said that if you use God's name in vain, you shall not go unpunished. That's it. And God is not going to make exceptions unless you are in Christ. Then you've got to stop it. Because that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit allows us to and enables us to, to be able not to, um, to do those things that is hateful to God. Beloved, it's said that lying has far-reaching consequences. It affects our relationships, our families, our social lives, business practices, entertainment, music. Lies have infiltrated every aspect of society. And this includes schools and sport and politics and science, even the educational system. They lie to the children in the textbooks. And the children have to learn these things. But it's lies. Not all of it. I'm saying there's lies inside. Yeah? There's and then lies have even infiltrated the church. And you find professing believers who lie to one another. So the question is, what is lying? And the, and the basic root meaning for lying that I looked up, I found it's just basically share, uh, sharing of falsehood and deception. That's basically what lying is. Uh, according to some Bible dictionaries, 
uh, we read that lying means to deceive, to attempt to deceive by a lie. A lie is a false statement deliberately presented as being true. Something meant to deceive or give a wrong impression. In a broader sense, it's something which is not what it professes to be. That's the amazing thing that the person can stand in front of you and say, this is the truth. And then later on, you find out it's not the truth, it's a lie. Beloved, there are expressions in Scripture, for example. We can lie to ourselves and we can believe that we are without sin. Even though Scripture tells us that he who says that he has no sin is a liar and he makes God a liar. But there are people that believe they are without sin. Or you can believe that you know Jesus Christ, but in fact you don't. What you know is the Christ that you've created in your own mind, a God in your own image, nah? and that's the God that you worship. I've heard so many times people say, but the God that I worship is a loving God, and he will not send somebody to hell. Then I say, wow, made up in your imagination. You're lying to yourself. Self-deception is a great problem in the world that we're living in. Or you say that I'm religious, but you do not keep your tongue in check. Beloved, why do people lie? Let me just run through a few things. Why do people lie? I believe, firstly, that people lie because they're afraid. They lie out of fear. They fear people more than they fear God. That's the bottom line. People fear, yeah, people fear other people more than they fear God. Because we can't see God. And if we can't see God, uh, what's the consequences? We don't see it. Yeah, the judgment is coming one day. Maybe it's not even going to happen. So what we do is we fear people. And uh, we fear what others can do to us if we tell the truth. So we rather lie. People lie because they fear that they could lose a friend or they can lose a good job, or they can, they can lose a good um, business deal. So they lie out of fear. Politicians lie because they want to stay in power and so that they can continue to make a lot of money. Luke chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 says, and this is Jesus speaking, he said, I said to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. Verse 5, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. The next time a lie kicks up or shoots up into your mind, I hope the fear of God will come upon you. And that that lie will not leave your mouth out of fear for God. Don't fear people. Fear God. Second reason why people lie, I believe, is because people... Uh, they want to sidestep their responsibilities. You remember when I preached on um, 
excuses. Many people want to sidestep their responsibilities, so what do they do? They lie. A husband that, or a man that has to pay, you know, the, the grant for the child, child support, and they say, I don't have money. And then you find them drinking beer, or you find them walking around with a packet of cigarettes. I had it in the campaigns where I sat down with, a, with people, and it happened before, where I spoke to men, and they would sit there and say, no, I don't have money, I don't have a job. And I say, what do you have in your pocket? No, it's cigarettes. Say, so how much does it cost? I first ask them, how many do you smoke per day? And then I quickly give them a, a rundown how many, how many cigarettes they use per month, and I, say, and I give them an amount of money that it's going to cost. And I say, so what you do now, immediately, is you stop smoking right now. And instead of taking that money and blowing it up in the air, in the form of smoke, and causing problems for your own lungs, you give it to your child. You have no excuse. But you see, people will lie. I don't have money. Oh, you? Is it true? But then um, you find people that never have enough. No? They drive around with fancy cars and they have fancy houses and all kinds of things. And if you ask them, they will tell you, I don't have money. It's nonsense. Let me speed down the hill the end of the sermon the third reason why I believe people lie is they lie to hurt others unfortunately there are people that just lies because they want to hurt people Colossians chapter 3 verse 8 and 9 says the following but now you yourself are to put off all these things now it's like taking off a jacket that's what Paul is saying to the Colossian believers he says take these things off as a jacket you are now a believer. And that is anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And, and these things, these, these sins that Paul is speaking about here, is, they are all in the context of, of, of um, relationships. If you have anger in a relationship and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language, it destroys a, 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 a relationship between people. Uh, I was watching a, a lady that had an interview with a bunch of young women. And they were talking about marriage, getting married or not getting married, you know, all that kind of stuff and whatever. And there's one lady I remember very clearly she was talking about. She says, I can get whatever man I want, but I mean, every second word is a swear word. I've got that little filter on my, on my computer. It's nice. So it cuts out all those filthy words because I want to hear what they have to say. And I sit there and I listen. I think to myself, the only man you'll get will himself be a, a sinner from the pit of hell with a mouth that is so filthy because I don't want to I, I won't even go out with you I won't even take you somewhere because of what comes out of her mouth I'm, I'm glad that she never said that she's a Christian but unfortunately there were some others that would use words they would blaspheme the name of, Christ, of God and they would use filthy language and then they talk about Christianity and that they are Christians 
And I sit and I say, you are deceiving yourself. Listen to what you're saying. And it's because they're not taught what Scripture teaches. Because they don't read the Scriptures. They don't go and find out what God wants and what God doesn't want. Because unfortunately we have a church full of professing believers. But nothing has changed. Because if something changed... Listen to what Paul says. He says to them, but now you yourself are to put off all these things. Paul is saying to the Colossians, you are believers. Stop doing these things. If you're in a relationship with other people, don't do this. Don't use filthy language. And it's not because of the other person. Obviously, it's out that this respects the person that's, um, that you are talking to or you're in a relationship with. It offends God. He's the Holy One and God says to us, Be holy for I am holy. We need to live sanctified lives, beloved. And then the fourth one, the reason why people lie, is people lie to get rich or to get an advantage or get power over others. It amazes me how people will will twist the truth, use white lies, and even lie blatantly to stay in power or to have power, to get power. It's heartbreaking, but unfortunately it's a reality. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? When they lied to the Holy Spirit and just kept back of the money that was theirs to keep? But the lie was, we gave everything to God. But in the meantime, they conspired behind the scenes to lie to Peter and the other apostles. And when Peter spoke to them, he said to them, why did you lie to the Spirit? It's your money. Just keep your mouth shut. Nothing would have happened. But because you opened it up and what came out of your mouth is lies and those lies were directed at who? Peter? No. They lied to the Spirit of God. And by the way, they both died. If you want to talk about slain in the Spirit, they were slain by the Spirit. They both died. Beloved, it's heartbreaking. But please remember that lies destroys. Always. That's the reality. And then a the fifth one, the people also lie. So-called for the greater good. And I think there's enough examples in the world today how people are lying for the greater good. Global warming climate change let me not go on there's enough things that we are receiving so many lies about because it's for the greater good beloved and within a person's own context, personal context nah, the greater good is normally nothing other than selfish desires and selfish ambitions 
because it's these climate change people that fly all over the world to go and talk about climate change that fly in private jets. But they want us to take our cars and park it in the garage. All right, beloved, so what is the destiny of those who lie? And, and uh, the book of Revelation says all liars. No? What is their destiny? Remember, firstly, that God warns us not to lie. First Peter chapter 3, 10, 11 says, For he who uh, would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. That's lies, no? Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Proverbs chapter 6 tells us the following, verse 16 and 17. It says, there is, um, there is six things that God hates or the Lord hates. It's interesting that he uses the word hates. Eh? Six things that he hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Let me just give you the first few. It says, a proud look. Do we see that today? Eesh. A proud look. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. Have I just described the world we live in today? And doesn't the passage tell us that God hates those people? Or those things? God hates it. And the only way that people will get away from God's wrath, beloved, is if they repent of their sin and turn to faith, by faith to Jesus Christ. There's no other hope. Otherwise, they're going to stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords and they will be judged and sent to hell. Don't play with God. That's the reality. Proverbs 19 verse 5 tells us the following. It says, a false witness will not go unpunished. And he who speaks lies will not escape. That's the God we serve. Praise God. He says they will not escape. The only way that you can escape is by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And beloved, that's what this table is all about. It's because of what Christ has done for us that you and I, and, and I can put myself in that category, and I, and I do it because it's true. If it wasn't for Christ, God could have taken me already and thrown me into the lake of fire, into hell, because I deserve it. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, He took all my lies upon Himself. And He died on my behalf. So that I may be set free. That I may be forgiven. Is that fair? Beloved, that's the good news. And it amazes me that the world rejects that news. 
They would rather continue in their lies than to reach out to the only one who can save them. But that's the only plan God made. There's only one way that you and I can enter into heaven if we've been lying. That is through Jesus Christ. And his substitutionary death on my behalf and your behalf. There's no other way. And that's what we are reminded of this morning. So if you are like me, um, and you are a liar, or you used to be a liar, let me say it first. If you used to be a liar and you've already been forgiven, what a reminder. What a reminder of God's grace. To know I have been set free because of Jesus Christ and nothing that I have done could twist God's arm to do anything more or less. He did it because He is a God of grace and a God of mercy. And I've received His grace. Praise God for that. But if you are still a liar now and you have not been forgiven of your sin, that table is saying there's only one way that you can escape the wrath of God. There's only one way that your sin of lying can be forgiven and all your other sins. And that is through forgiveness of Jesus Christ, receiving His forgiveness, and that is by faith in Him alone. Beloved, and that's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of a substitutionary um, sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. I want to close with the words of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, which is a reminder, as we are reminded of what Christ has done for us and why we are free and why we are forgiven, there's this reminder that I would like to give you and leave with you. And if you can, take time and memorize this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, 25, where Jesus says, where Paul says, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that the commandments that you give us, that we are able to, to be obedient. And it's because you enable us to be obedient, because your spirit indwells us. And thank you for salvation and faith, or by faith, or by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. And it's because Christ has forgiven us of our sin that we can partake of the table this morning. And I want to pray, Father, for each one sitting in this building, if there be anyone this morning that remembers that there has been a time where they too were liars. May this reminder, as we sit around this table and partake of the elements, may this reminder be an amazing reminder, life-giving reminder of that amazing sacrifice of Christ. Oh, but Father, my heart goes out to those who have not been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, who has not repented of their sin and are still living in their lies. 
I pray, Father, please. Will you illuminate their hearts and their minds to understand the seriousness to fall into the hands of a living God and that they would rather fear God than fear men that could do nothing to our souls? Father, may this morning be the morning that you draw those people to yourself. And please, have mercy and save them. Then, as we partake of this table, Father, I pray, please, may each one of us who are in Christ be strengthened this morning as we are reminded of what Jesus did on our behalf. And Father, as we leave this building and we go into this world where lying has become a pandemic, oh Father, I pray, will you use us as instruments to speak the truth in love so that people may be set free. We pray that people will be open to receive the message of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And that pride will not stand in their way, but that they will humble themselves before you and embrace Christ as their only personal Lord and Savior. So I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.